Hello and thanks for tuning in to this episode of the ALT Learn podcast. I'm John Tate and I'll be your host over the next 30 minutes as we break down the science behind how our students really learn, what this pedagogy looks like in the classroom and get to find out how our teachers are turning all this theory into practice. So let's dive into this week's episode. Welcome to episode four of the ALT Learn podcast, where we're going to be continuing to focus on supporting remote learning, because at the point of recording this in early February, we're still in a national lockdown and the majority of our students are still accessing education from home. So I'm pleased to say that with me on today's show is Kath Lawson, Director of Inclusive Support here at the Arete Learning Trust, and we're going to get under the skin of how we can make our remote learning inclusive for all, because I think that in our attempt to get up to speed with the new normal of live and recorded lessons, there can be a danger that we design a one-size-fits-all approach and forget about some of the things that we would have done in a physical classroom to ensure that our lessons are accessible and inclusive to all of our students. Hello, Kath, and a warm welcome to the podcast. Thanks, John. Um, I'm delighted to be here, um, and it's a really good opportunity. Um, I've, I've listened to the other podcasts, and it was really heartening to, to hear things that will benefit all students. Absolutely. Um, one of my favourite gurus, Mel Ainscow, who wrote The Index to Inclusion, tweeted today, education is about lighting fires, not filling pots. And um, I think, you know, what's come before has highlighted the importance of that. Absolutely brilliant. And, and that's a great, a great quote to start us off with. Um, well, I mean, having worked with you at length since I started here in, in the Trust in July last year, I know that you've got a real passion for the fact that I suppose just like with boys, what works for students with SEND is often just great teaching without the need to have to go searching for silver bullets, isn't it? It is. Um, and a lot of the teachers who we work with across the trust do it naturally. Um, you know, I, I've um, I've been in some of the, the classrooms where they're um, giving students the opportunity to listen and to live lessons again. Um, because they've recorded them. That's kind of quite a standard practice. The use of moat, um, which we'll go into later, but audio, multisensory. And when I started um, in SEN, things like metacognition and, um, and interleaving and memory skills were all very kind of niche and all around SEN, whereas now the mainstream, you know, you've written books about them. Um, so that that's wonderful. And um, really, I suppose as the, my role, I should be trying to work myself out of the job, shouldn't I? Mm-hmm. And, and absolutely, well, that's exactly right, isn't it? That, you know, the more we can do, and, and I think that, you know, we've talked about this before, that we're all teachers of SEND, aren't we? You know, we, we, we've all yeah. got students in our classroom, one of our cohorts, um, that we'll probably have some kind of, um, you know, so, some some areas that we need to kind of work on a little bit more. Um, and I think that, you know, what yeah. we need to make sure that we haven't got any kind of forgotten students and forgotten send students in this period of lockdown, just because they're not in front of us, doesn't mean to say we really shouldn't be focusing on them like we would be if we're in a classroom. And I think we're, we're obviously going to get to that kind of as, as we get through this. So let's start then by yeah. looking at um, one of the, you know, the, the first thing I want to kind of talk about is that as we as we know, and as, as everyone should know, send students are not a homogenous group. Um, so, what does that really mean, Kath, when we're when we're planning a live or recorded lesson? Well, I think just remembering that, you know, remembering that every student across the trust is an indi- an individual, and has got an individual profile. And um, as teachers, as um, staff across the trust, celebrating that. 
um, and hope that during the podcast, um, we will focus on education for all because there are lots of continuums out there. And if we focus on um, a label, we're, we're, we're perhaps not focus, focusing on either end of that continuum. Um, sometimes we do need specific assessments and we need to kind of identify um, reasons behind learning differences. But um, all the research does show, as we said at the beginning, that great teaching is what all students benefit from. Um, so, yeah. And so, as I say, it's about focusing on that holistic, unique, unique profile. And um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but that, that is it, isn't it? It's, it's just that reminder and putting it to the front of our you know, memory again, that actually just because they're send or just because they're disadvantaged or just because they may have a label attached to them in Sims doesn't mean to say that they're actually all have the same needs. You know, and it's about understanding the individual child what we can do and the fact that they've all got different individual needs that we need to cater for. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the kind of mantra that I always keep in my head about inclusion is that it's about participation, progress and presence. And I, I think, you know, it, in terms of, you know, progress, we are always looking to see that those students in our class are making progress, all students participation um people have talked about it not just being students being in the live lessons but it's how they are actually engaging um so you know i, I think it's just being mindful about about that with all students yeah definitely and and you, you touched on kind of engagement there and that kind of leads me perfectly into the into the kind of next question i had for you was that Periods of lockdown and learning from home can result in students feeling, I suppose, isolated and cut off from their normal peer group and their school community. And this will impact everyone in different ways, as we know, depending on their individual circumstances. So knowing this, how can we increase that sense of belonging um, within either their class or the whole school community and make our students feel valued like we would on a day to day basis in normal circumstances? Yeah, the sense of belonging and um, school community is so important, isn't it? Um, and I think it, it, it's about focusing on what we can do rather than what we can't do and also celebrating difference. So when I came on here today, John, I was saying, I've got word finding difficulties, but you'll be able to think of the word. It's about that team approach that, you know, seeing what people can do. And I'm delighted that schools across the trust have worked hard to, to put an emphasis on skills and talents outside the classroom. Um, and, and they've gone, and this is kind of built up with um, a celebration of uniqueness. You know, we've, we've had students building snowmen, we've had them doing videos. There's a wide range of things that, that are being done in addition to classwork, although, you know, it's good to excel in classwork as well. Um, and I think what I liked about when Lizzie spoke, she was saying um, about how she welcomed students into the Google classrooms um, like she would physically if she was in school. And she also said how she was pleased when during the live lessons, they were praising each other, something that perhaps they wouldn't do um, in a physical classroom. 
Yeah, I, I, I really like that. And I think that that episode with Lizzie really kind of hit home as well. Like lots of those ideas and things that actually work for normal, you know, in a normal classroom work really, really well and work even better, um, you know, for the students that we're talking about here. Because if they do feel cut off and they do feel isolated and, you know, let's be honest, you know, we felt that like as adults as well, you know, that actually we've been yeah, talking to great. computer screens or microphones rather than actually to real people. And I think it's really important yeah. that we remember that. And we do as much as we can, even it's and a lot often, like you said, it's those little things, isn't it, Kathy? You know, you talked about when Lizzie talked about, you know, greeting the students when they come into the classroom and, you know, it's those little things that make people feel like a human again um, yeah. and, and, and part of a community rather than just a, you know, a, a, a number or a name on a screen, I suppose. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I think that the more we can do that, that that's really great. Um Go on. Yeah, no, the other thing I was going to say, I I think sometimes we underestimate um, the importance of a little, well, maybe we don't, but um, how a little positive feedback goes a long way. Um, You know, even like a little thing, well done on on a Google Classroom really encourages students. And the feedback I've had from students is they've liked the voice notes, you know, where, where a teacher's taking time. And I know lots of stu- uh, teachers across the trust are doing it um, just so they can hear it um, and they can process what, what the teacher's saying, but also that they've taken time to record a little note for them. Yeah, and I think that you know, we, we all know the um, the the magic of, of of some really positive feedback. Even when we're in a classroom, when we're with you know other people, uh, and, and we see our teachers day in and day out. But even more so now, the fact that we actually are a bit more isolated than that, we really need to make sure we're going all, you know over and above with that and doing that even more because um, you know we 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 can't kind of see those general nods and thumbs up and body yes. language in, in a yeah. classroom. So we need to have that real affirmation of what we're doing is right. And, you know, time taken or time spent, uh, you know, doing those things, I think is, you know, is going to prove to be hugely beneficial uh, and, and really give students that kind of um, that motivation, that feeling of kind of, uh, you know, happiness and inclusion within the classroom, because, you know, they, what they are doing is being noticed uh, from a distance yes. uh, and it has been rewarded as well. So I think that, that is really, really important. Um, it, it, thinking about then, um, you know, we, we can all probably relate to a time when we've had to do something for the first time via a computer that we'd have normally done with the help of someone face to face. And I'm thinking here things like internet banking, booking a holiday, or even just filling out a simple form online. Um, it can feel anxious to begin with, stepping into the unknown without someone there to ask questions um, and guide you through things that you may find difficult to understand or complete. So, if we think about this now and, and, and take this experience into the remote classroom with a group of students who may have far less emotional maturity and experience than us, how can we give our students the opportunity to use their voice in order to limit the feelings of isolation and helplessness? Yeah. I mean, pupil voice is so powerful. And I often admit to the fact that when I'm asked to work with a student who who has perhaps a learning difference or some barriers to learning, they often have the answers well, they definitely have the answers. It's just about asking the right questions. Um, and I know that staff across the trust are organising Google Meets, one-to-one chats. They're making those comments in the chat boxes to check in and to try and ask those questions so that the, they and the students are reflecting together um, on 
what the goals are, what the opportunities are, and perhaps what the barriers are, you know, what are they finding difficult? Um, and in my experience, what students need, and especially those who perhaps have got a learning difference, is that they need to be given a sense of hope, that they can do something to help themselves. Um, and I'm absolutely delighted that a number of staff across the Trust have received some training on coaching, using co coaching techniques from um, Karen Cruz, a specialist coach from Leeds. And we've also recently received some funding from the lottery to work um, with Karen um, and some students and their parents. So I think it's all very well having conversations, but they've got to be um, very focused and very clear conversations with outcomes. Um, and I've got to admit, John, I don't know what you think, but the term homeschooling isn't a very useful one. Um, you know, teachers have spent years honing their skills and they're still doing the, the, the schooling. And I think that um, the parent role, so this is where, you know, working together with parents is really just to ensure, I don't mean just because it's important, but to, to ensure that they've got a quiet place to work, that they're warm and they're fed and that any anxiety over learning that they're not able to perhaps speak to somebody at school about is fed back you know it's got to be that partnership absolutely and, and and certainly you know working with parents to make sure that 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 home environment is uh conducive to learning um and i'm you know, i'm doing some work as you know with some kind of animated videos at the moment yeah. in terms of how students can really get in the best learning habits at home you know how they can organize their personal space their organization their physical space you know all those types of things um so and, but just kind of picking up on something you said uh, about a minute or so ago you talked about you know kind of people voice there and we, we, we both know and we all know all the listeners all know this that you know students are reluctant to use their voice especially if it's in front of their peers if they've got questions yeah. um you know we know that in a physical classroom that you know, it's no good saying, has anybody got any questions? Because actually nine times out of 10, people will keep their hands down. They've probably got a question. They might not know something, but the fact of asking that in front of all their peers is, you know, it, it's worse, isn't it? You know, they'd rather just yeah. go up that answer and think, well, poof, I'm not going to ask this in front of all my mates. So thinking about this then in the remote you know, world, how, you know, in terms of how does that work then? Are we talking about setting up different kind of breakout rooms or, you know, Lizzie talked, I think about, or, and Emma talked about kind of keeping students on at the end of the call or, you know, or, you know, setting students away independently and then leaving some students in there to ask questions. How can they kind of use their voice to, to ask questions and to kind of find out things and to work with the member staff when potentially they are too afraid to do so in front of their peers? Yeah, I mean, we've we've across the trust, we have done a lot of one to one where we've um, usually myself and perhaps a, a teaching assistant, we've we've gone in and we've we've worked one to one on a Google meet with it with a student. Um, we, we've perhaps shared the screen so we can talk things through. Um, I, th I think, you know, I started off by saying it's about uniqueness and it's about what that that student um prefers i mean it might be that just actually having that chat box has opened a whole new thing to them that they're now able to communicate with the teachers um and uh, um yeah 
So all of those things that you mentioned, but I think the fact that we as teachers are, are working with them and it is that collaboration and it's not, you're not by yourself. Independent learning, you know, which will, um, which is really key and really important. You, you still can collaborate and you can still ask questions, you know. Yeah, and I think the key message there really, I suppose, and you hit the nail on the head is that every, every student is different, you know, going back to that thing we, we said right at the top of the top of the show, yeah. actually, they are all different and they all, they're going to have different needs and there isn't a, a one-size-fits-all approach that's going to work. It's about remembering, though, that they may need to speak, you know, they may need to have yes. those questions and they might not want yeah. to. How can you create a situation that you can open up yeah. that dialogue so that they feel yeah. comfortable to kind of do that? And that goes for all students in the class, not, you know, not just kind of one or two, but how can Absolutely. you yeah. remember that and, um, and open up those opportunities for that? Now, you mentioned there, you, you, you start to touch on teaching assistants. So let, let, let's kind of, let's kind of dive into that a little bit. Um, teaching assistants, as we know, are such a valuable resource in the classroom, especially with students who may require some extra support, um, you know, due to their special educational needs. But teaching remotely, therefore, doesn't just have to involve the teacher. And, 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 you know, it should also involve any teaching assistance that you would normally use in your physical classroom. Just because your students are at home doesn't mean to say that they, you know, they can't access the same support that they're entitled to. So how can teaching assistance be used effectively as part of remote learning to meet the needs of our students? Yeah, I mean, there's been lots of work um, around the role of teaching assistants in recent years. And um a teaching assistant is worth the weight in gold i think one of the big changes that came with all the research was a recognition that um of the role that teaching assistants have in making students independent which makes it sound which, which kind of maybe doesn't fit right because you've got somebody working with you and but you've been in, independent um and it's about them scaffolding isn't it scaffolding is the key word we perhaps used to focus on differentiation which to me does sound a bit like dumbing down things whereas scaffolding is more of a process where you're looking at what um what can be done what um things can be used it's more of an empowering word um and so teaching assistants perhaps um can do some training so for example on um, um currently we're in, when we're remote um learning uh, a teaching assistant being, being able to ensure that the students can use the um, assistive technology or they can use the google classroom is a really key one um it's again everything comes down to communication so it's about an understanding, isn't it, between the teachers and the teaching assistants. And um, one of the big things about teaching assistants is that you, you never taught, I don't, um, it might have changed now because I, I went, <laughs> I was at teacher training uh, quite a long time ago, but it isn't something that you, you were taught. Um, but good communication skills between people and valuing each other's role is really important. Um, but it's, clearly not about um, making children or making students um, helpless. You know, that developing the independence is really important. 
Um, yeah, and I, I, it's interesting. I heard something this morning. I was I was kind of I overheard a conversation this morning where someone had said it's about developing uh, resilience, not reliance. And I think that that really yeah. took a call with me that. It, it, it's not about you know relying on that kind of teaching system all the time because actually when that teaching system's not there, what's going to happen? It's about how the teaching assistant uh, can can really work, like I say, in tandem with the uh, with the teacher to build yeah. further resilience so that actually that you know that that student is kind of you know e- even more well prepared you know for, for kind of what's happening. So in it, so give, give me some examples if you know people are listening and thinking, listen, I've got a, I've got a teaching assistant. Um, I maybe haven't used them in 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 as many ways as I could in the lockdown. Uh, you know, I want some examples right now of, of two or three different ways that I can use my TA really effectively uh, over the next week in my in in, in in my remote learning. Right. Well, I mean, what, as I said before, one of the key things would be about getting them um, able to use something like Read and Write, which is um, a Chrome extension we use that's got lots of accessibility features. So, um, it, you know, that, that would be a, a really powerful way um, of using the teaching assistant. Um, another thing might be to get them to talk through a piece of work um, about what they found hard. Um, for example, I have heard, you know, students say, oh, um, I didn't understand what, what they were saying. I, now, with remote learning, we have got that feature where we can listen back. So that helps understanding. Again, I've got feedback from students that being able to listen back to live lessons really helps. But it might be that the teaching assistant shows them how to make notes. You know, they might do little drawings as they're listening. Um, third thing might be planning. They might not be totally a fay um, with how they can plan a piece of written work. So even a simple table that um, includes key vocabulary, um, sentence starters, um, a basic sentence that can then be developed, something like that um, can could make a difference. And I think, and again, you and I've talked about this a lot, John, you know, the fact that it's not about um, what they're actually producing, it's, it's the skills um, that have gone into it, you know, the process rather than the, the product. Yeah, and and, and that, that's another you know, great soundbite for people to take away with that actually, you know, it's about focusing on the process and not the product. Um, and something I'd, I've kind of, you know, had thought about and, you know, we, we took, took, kind of talked about off air actually previously is that that quote of kind of give a man a fish and you can feed him for a day, but teach a man a fish and you feed him for a lifetime. It's about how can the teaching assistant, I suppose, start to, you know, focus on that process so that it's not just about I've helped you with this piece of work right now. It's about actually how have I helped you, you know, through thinking about, you know, the, you know, either metacognitively or that, you know, the processes or organization, how have I actually, you know, helped you as a student and as a person, not just yeah. how have I helped you make this piece of work better? Because um, that's just a bit, you know, it's a bit like, you know, when we, you know, we talk about feedback, you know, feedback should improve the person, not just a piece of work. And I think it's exactly the same with a, with a great kind of teaching assistant. If we can improve the person uh, and not just that piece of work, then actually we are, in, you know, making uh, you know, sizable kind of progress with that, with that person and not just a piece of work that's kind of here today and gone tomorrow. So yeah, I, 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 that's great. And yeah. people can start thinking about it in those ways. I think and I think it is. Improve it. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt. And it is that thing that, you know, it's as wide as the, the difficulties or the, the, the barriers that are there. 
So it might be for some student, it's about um, managing workload. So that might be something that the TA can focus on. You know, yeah. it's yeah. absolutely, and like you say, it's just it's every every you know going back like we said before that homogenous you know they're not a homogenous group they're all different and it's about you know the right kind of setup and the right context you know for, for the right students so yeah thinking about how, how people can use that differently in different ways and hopefully opening people's minds to the fact that just because you're at home doing remote learning doesn't mean to say you can't then tap into the you know to, to the uh, the support that would have normally been uh, available to those kids in a, in a physical classroom um, you, you mentioned there about the, the, the software uh, read write. So I'm going to kind of, I want to kind of touch on that now and, and, and pull up, pull out a little bit. So we've yeah. had, um, lots of different technology apps and features from all of our previous guests in the last three, uh, last three episodes in terms of how we can use technology to increase the quality of our lessons. But thinking now specifically about inclusivity and send in terms of what we, what we're talking about in this episode, what have been your favorite uses of technology that have made the biggest differences to students? Yeah, I mean, in the last, you know, 10 years, technology is the thing that has made the biggest impact for students, I think, with additional needs. And um, if only uh, the students that I worked with 10 years ago, I could show them what the things do now. They wouldn't believe it and they'd be very, very jealous. Um, read and write has been something that has been um, used across the trust um, for quite a number of years, but the big difference came when it became a Chrome extension. So it doesn't need downloading. It's up there. It's very, very accessible. Um, the key features when I'm doing any training with, with uh, TAs or with, or with teachers or with um, students that I, I kind of focus on are the playback feature, which is the text-to-speech. Um, this is really good because, um, it, I mean, I sometimes use it for editing my reports. You know, that thing where you can't see mistakes, but mm -hmm. when you listen to them, you can. Mm -hmm. um, it helps sentence structure. Um, it, it means that students can access text that they might not be able to have the reading skills to um, decode. So that, that's really useful. Um, it's got speech to text which um, the students love, um, you know, so that can be useful. Um, if they've got a significant need, they will be able to use that in exams. So that's good. And then also it has um, a vocabulary um, and ability to create vocabulary um, tables, which is useful. So, th so that's good. Um, and being able to use screen share on Google Meet, um, it means that you can do training because I do think that we can have all the technology. Um, I may be going off beat here, but we can have all the technology in the world, but it's about the training that we do and, and training on it is key. So um, this lockdown, we had a case where there was a student who would have benefited from read and write and he said he didn't like it. So I did a, a screen share with him and I wouldn't have liked it either. Um, his cookies meant it was slow. So we got rid of the cookies and then he didn't realize that you could change the voice. He didn't realize that he didn't have to read every word you typed. So it's all very well having the technology, but we also need to invest in training students. 
I think that, 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 that's really interesting, isn't it? Because we, you know, we normally focus when, when, you know, when I first kind of heard you say the word training there about kind of 10 or 15 seconds ago, my immediate reaction in my head was training for staff. But actually we're talking about, you know, the training for students on how they can actually access this at home on their, on their device. Um, yeah. And, you know, we all know that there are lots of things that we're not comfortable with until we can get hands on with them until someone showed us, but also until we've been able to play around with it ourselves. And, um, you know, there's so many things that we use that we're only scratching the surface of. So if we can actually invest in a bit of time, you know, either at the start of a lesson or the end of a lesson or, or, or a, you know, a one-to-one with a TA or whatever it is to, 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 to make sure that whatever technology we're going to be using with students, they know how to use it properly, then, you know, we're going to get so much more out of it, aren't we? Absolutely. And, and what's really heartening is that teachers are now encouraging students, you know, they've seen that the impact it can have, not just on those with additional needs, but for all students. So they are saying, oh, look, if you put your read and write bar up, you can do this. You can make a, an MP3 file. You can, you know, and it's it's not seen as something that is for students who haven't, you know, who, who struggle. It's, it's seen as a really inclusive tool. Um, so read and write is is good. I I um I, re- I really um, recommend that. And um, text help. I mean, teaching teacher CPD is important as well, and staff to CPD. Text help do um, provide lots of webinars, and they are circulated around our schools so that staff can access them. And, so, and text text help just for people who are not aware. Text help is the company that that, that actually produce read and write, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, if, yeah. if you, you know, you can, we've got things in the schools, but if you go to YouTube and various places on their website, you'll see lots of kind of ways for, you know, in terms of how to use that software, you know, to, to, to the maximum. Um, and yeah, big recommendation is to, to have a, you know, download it yourself, you know, have a look at it, download it as a, as a Chrome extension, give it a whirl, have a little play around with it, feel comfortable with you, you know, yourself with it, and then start thinking, how, how can I use this with my students? How might it be really, really useful for those two, three, four or five students in my class? that may have, um, you know, some kind of some difficulties in, you know, remembering information or having, you know, they want it played back or they need to listen to it in a different format. There's so many different ways and it's how, you know, however we, however we can think about using it, you know, it's not a, it's not an off the shelf product that you can only use it in one way. It's about, you know, how could this be used in different ways for our students? And I think if we get our thinking caps on there, all of us, we can think of so many different ways that might be beneficial for our students. And and it is that thing. I mean, that, I mean, there's a lot of students, but there's one student in particular in one of our schools, um, who she, you know, if you spoke to her and asked her what read and write meant to her, you know, it's just changed school for her. It it's um, it has made that difference between not being able to access the text, not being able to record independently. It, it's been quite significant. Fantastic. And, 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 you know, going back to what we said before about, you know, focus on the process as well and not just the kind of outcome. Again, that's a, that's a great example of how that's, how that's really helped that student. And, and like you say, almost kind of change their view on school, change their life really, you know, in, in terms of that, because they can now start to kind of access things uh, in, a, in a way that they never would have dreamt of before. And like you also said, how students 10, 15, 20 years ago would have, you know, would have snapped your hands off for it. it it's amazing yeah. where we are now uh, and, and, and what students didn't have. Um, we, we, we talked there then as, and you know, about kind of that process again, and we talked previously about kind of independence and you, know, you touched on it before when we talked about teaching assistance, but if I just, if I focus in on, on, on independence now, um, yeah. we, um, 
you know, we, 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 we've talked about it kind of a few minutes ago, but, you know, students, we want students to be independent learners, but many students kind of struggle with this. And, you know, we know that ourselves. Um, for some, it's been even harder during lockdown because without somebody there holding their hand to guide them through things, they find this really, really difficult to be, to be independent. Yet as teachers, we keep saying we need you to be independent. However, yeah. on the flip side, though, it may have started to get students to think about, you know, doing things for themselves a bit more, both educationally and also part of their personal organization. But we can't just hope and wish that they're going to become more independent. We need to actually help them with this and, and, and teach them the skills to do this. So for students that we know are still struggling with this in terms of being independent, um, you know, either accessing information or being able to kind of complete work, how can we help and support them to become more independent and organized? Right. Well, I, I think um, one of the things that has made a big difference is that students are encouraged to um, access the learning in real time. They're mm -hmm. actually following their timetables. Um, I think that helps. Um, having links then to the Google Classroom helps. Teachers are making it what they've got to do. I think the teachers are now, I'm, I'm not saying they weren't doing it before, but, you know, the instructions as succinct as possible, you know, at the end of this lesson, you will. And so it, it's there, they know what they're going to do. Um, so clarity is really important. They're not, there's often a video so they can listen to it. They can listen to it again. There's um, a PowerPoint where they can, um, uh, the answers are within there. So I, th I think, you know, it's making sure that the, that the, the instructions are there, but also they have got strategies if there's a barrier or they know who to ask. Um, and I, as I said before, I think it is really important that we understand that we, we can't do things by ourselves without sometimes getting some help from somebody else so whether it's somebody else who who knows how you can access assistive technology for example or if it's somebody who can show you how to manage your workload or it's somebody who can show you how to plan a piece of work I think sometimes it, it's taking that ownership that you want to be independent John you know it's it's again, isn't it, about that developing the um, the reason why we're learning, having a having a goal um, of, of why we are actually learning, why we're at school. That that's quite important as well. Yeah, and you know, you're picking up on something you mentioned there. You mentioned workload as well, and I think it's really important that you know students need to be organised. And I think that we we all know that. The students that we see um, probably who are more organized throughout the year, um, you know, end up probably doing, you know, you know, doing kind of better than than some of their peers who are, who are you know, a similar kind of level of, um, you know, in, in terms of achievement. And I think that the more we can use, I mean, we're obviously, a, you know, a trust that uses kind of, uh, you know, the Google suite and everything's mm. there for students. You know, I, I organize yeah. my life now on, on Google mm -hmm. and, you know, previously I was, you know, I'd kind of used Microsoft in my, in my kind of last kind of school, but now I've got my calendars there, my emails are there. I use to do uh, and keep for my kind of ideas, my notes, my job lists, my all that type of thing. And I think that the more we can support our students to then support themselves, 
and help them to be very well organized uh, so they know exactly when things are there. They use their calendar themselves. And, you know, we, we should be teaching students to use their calendar on weekends for when they're going out or their football or, you know, actually making themselves really organized. And the more that they can do that and they're comfortable using the uh, the suite of, of apps that, that that Google have in our in, in our case, or, you know, if, if, uh, if somebody's listening to this and uh, from, from outside of the trust and they're using kind of... Um, you know, uh, Microsoft, but everything's there, you know, and actually we, we need to make sure that students are, uh, are organized it, because it then reduces that feeling of, of, of being overwhelmed by Definitely. not knowing when things are. And that's when things start to become even harder. Um, you know, n- not only that it might be a difficult lesson, but you've forgotten when it was, or you, you're not organized. You don't know where the notes are. You've forgotten to do something because you haven't written it down in your notes section the, night, the day before or all those types of things then become, get, they get on top of you. Uh, and we know that as adults, mm. don't we? We, you know, we know that. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so for our students, we need to make sure, again, potentially using a teaching assistant or, or ourselves, taking some time to make sure that students are really organized, really, really well prepared, uh, and they're in the right kind of mindset for, for, for learning. Um, so, yeah, no, that's really interesting. Um, diving in now, but I mean, I, I mentioned there about workload and kind of cognitive load and, and that kind of stuff. So that's a, a nice segue into to, to the next question I've got, which is what we know now, what we now know about learning and human memory is that difficulties in remembering information are often the root of many underlying barriers to learning. And listeners will be familiar with cognitive load and how we have to pay special attention to how we present information in order to not put students into a state of cognitive overload. This is even more important when planning on delivering remote learning, because as we've mentioned a few times already in the podcast, there may not be anybody there to be the guide on the side for the student uh, or to help direct students' attention onto one specific part of the information that we would normally do by pointing something on the board or, you know, the things that we've known in the classroom. So what can we do to limit cognitive load uh, and ensure that the way we present information isn't an immediate barrier to learning for some of our students? Yeah, I mean... Uh, like you say, memory and processing quite often are um, difficulties. And um, it used to be thought that if you give students a few memory games, their memory will get better. But actually what the research, even the you know top research showed that you just got better at the memory games. So the key thing I would say with memory is to look at what you are struggling with. Um, so if it is that you, you find it really hard to understand what um, the teacher is saying, it might be, I mean, in a way, remote le- learning is ideal because you, in a classroom, I suppose the, the teacher can come over and repeat what they've said, but that isn't developing independent skills. Whereas remote learning, you can, the recording of lessons means that pace isn't an issue and the students can return to the lesson and listen to key points again. So that's really good. I'm a big fan of using visual prompts um, and drawings within text, either ones that, that, that um, you know, quite often teachers will do some dual coding where there are prompts, visual prompts for them, or students making their own visual notes as well. I think that's that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and just making sure that expectations are clear. I mentioned before, um, you know, not lost in a long narrative. It's kind of bullet pointed. That might make the difference between somebody succeeding and somebody not. Um, 
repetition and retrieval practice again you know a very mainstream um piece of work pieces of work have been done about that that's really powerful for students with memory difficulties modeling um you know th that thing that if somebody models it for you it might go in your memory better than just being told how to do it that can be powerful um so th there's various things but i think also, I'm a real believer that, you know, they say with processing that the teachers have got to give the children time. In my experience, often the teachers do give children time and it's the children or the students who don't give themselves time. And it's that coaching to say, it's OK, it's all right, you know. Have a think about it. I don't want it immediately. I want you to think about it. Um, and I think that can be really useful as well. I think that, that 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 is really interesting to think about, isn't it? That we may we may plan in sometimes that we think, but they don't give themselves time to think. And I, and I think that that's just just thinking about that and, and and remembering that and putting things in place to try and uh, you know limit that from kind of happening um, and, and and trying to kind of take more control of it. I think is really interesting. And I think the other thing that I think stuck out to me was that lots of the things you talked about, you know, about modeling and, and um, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, visual prompts, uh, drawings, that kind of stuff. You know, there's lots of ways. And, you know, I think that Chris and uh, Rob talked about this in the first kind of episode about using, yeah. you know, whiteboards, whether it's Jamboard, whether it's Zikeboard, there's lots of different, you know, whiteboard kind of tools and apps that you can do. So you can actually, as you, again, as you would in a normal classroom, you would model it, you would do a worked example, you would demonstrate it, you would talk through your metacognitive processes in your mind of, I'm doing this now and I'm doing this and this is why I'm doing this and I'm thinking about this. And you would model it through. And I think that there is a danger that because we are remote, that um, you know we, we, we kind of sometimes just speak to students and you know hope that they kind of get it. But actually, what would you do in a normal classroom? What would you use? Well, you would, use, you would go to your whiteboard with your pen Right. Well, yeah. how can we do that in, a, in, in an online session? And, and there are very easy and effective ways to do that, as well as, like you said as well, recording it as well. So even though it's a live lesson, click record, throw it up into the Google Classroom afterwards so students can watch that demonstration back 5, 10, 15 times, as many times as they need to, to get it right, um, rather than that demonstration being kind of lost and you, know, you mentioned there as well about the fact that this is an opportunity with remote learning because students can click stop and rewind and pause you know whereas they can't do that in a normal classroom um when you do that demo at the front of your whiteboard that's the moment you stop is the moment that's gone forever whereas in this in this mm -hmm. instance you could have that rewound and played as many times as you want to and used in the future so there are lots of ways that we can use this to our advantage um and it, and it shouldn't see you know it shouldn't be seen as a as, as a barrier it should be seen as an opportunity which i think is Absolutely. yeah really, definitely really useful so on on that note then talking about kind of opportunities moving forward. Um, how can we use what we've learned through our use of technology during lockdown to make learning more accessible and inclusive once we're back in the normal physical classroom? Well, I think one of the big things is uh, homework. Um, I think, you know, perhaps previously, um, I'm not saying there wasn't expectation, but again, it was quite difficult. Um, I mean, quite quite difficult maybe to to monitor that but with google classrooms um that communication between teachers and students is definitely there and there are all those techniques like you say that have 
gone through the you know the, the previous podcasts that can support students. Um, so I think that that is good. Um, I, I think again, it's that analysis. I think you know I, I had an email this week from um, one a, 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 t- a tutor, um, and you know tutors and and teachers, what their observations are so powerful. Um, John, you know, I mean, I know I've got my specialist qualifications, but actually, you know, people on the ground, um, they do see things and, you know, not thinking of somebody else will see it. And I think this remote learning, I think people are analysing um, because they're actually having more one-to-one, although although it's not one-to-one, they are having more, perhaps more personal contact with each child, if you see what I mean, because they're mm-hmm. in the classroom. Um, and colleagues have said to me, you know, I've thought, oh, my word, gosh. Um, so that analysis and that, I think, is very, very powerful. And, you know, goes back to what we said at the beginning, every teacher, a teacher send. And, you know, I think that is is where, where we are, really. Yeah. Yeah, and I, there's so many things, like you said there, Google Classroom, you know, in terms of recording some kind of thing, you know, recording demonstrations, and, and, you know, even if it's back in the physical classroom, if you're doing something at your board, you know, you've got a webcam there, then quite easily you could record that, you could throw it up to Classroom later on, you can do kind of pastoral check-ins with your tutor group via yeah. Google Classroom that you set up <clears throat> for your tutor group, lots and lots of ways so that we don't slip back into those kind of old routines. And we see that what we've learned so far this you know this year or the last 12 months, really, we can really use to our advantage moving forward uh, and then we can use it to really develop our students. And, you know, the sky's the limit. Um, Technology is changing all the time. The, um, you know, the... Um, the kind of advances in technology and the the limitations, you know, are, are being removed, and, and we can do more things now than we thought we could do even just twelve months ago. So, yeah, it's definitely about kind of moving, you know, moving with the times and thinking how can we use this to to be more inclusive, to make sure it's more accessible, um, and and to give every single student the opportunity to be successful, uh, you know, across across the landscape, which is ultimately what we want to do. So, well, that, that brings us to the end of the of this episode. So. Kath, I just want to kind of thank you, a big thank you for, for sharing all of your kind of words of wisdom there and your experience uh, with, you know, not just me, but everyone, everyone who's listening. So a, a big thanks. And hopefully people can really use that to open their mind really to thinking about uh, making sure we haven't got those forgotten students you know, of SEND through remote learning and how we can actually make sure that all of those students feel included um, and, and we can make sure that it's as accessible as possible for everyone during this time. Thanks, John. Um, and, and just, you know, if, if anybody wants to get in touch, um, they can. Um, we, we do run a very diverse um, training programme through YES at Arete Learning Trust. Um, often we focus on the use of assistive technology. So, you know, we've got a website if people want to have a look on at that as well. Um, and I look forward to um, developing it further. Thanks for listening to the ALT Learn Podcast. We'll be back soon with another episode where we'll be speaking to more of our teachers and finding out how they're turning theory into practice. Until then, take care.